Hey everyone, Scott Smeester here with CIO Mastermind. You know who I am. Uh, check out CIOMastermind.com if uh, you need support, coaching, uh, training, uh, be more effective in your C-suite position. We're here today talking to Praveen Maholtra. Did I say that? Did I say your last name right? That is perfect. I think oh, uh, right. you're get better than that. <laughs> I'm nailing it today, everyone. And he's with a company called TCR Squared Therapeutics, Inc. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So first of all, I'm super excited to be on the podcast today. Uh, and uh, from uh, from our company perspective, again, we are TCR Squared. The name itself comes from the fact that we are uh, we are actually uh, working on a T cell receptor, which is an antigen which takes care of um, a solid tumor if uh, if the direction is accurate in terms of how we use it. So, so we have two products in the clinic right now. The first one is in phase two, and that is actually targeting uh, uh, solid tumors, uh, specifically in the mesothelin. And there are several other indications where uh, we are trying to progress this particular drug. Uh, this is an autologous candidate. By autologous, I mean um, uh, we take cancer cells out of cancer patient, inject it uh, back into the cancer patient. Before that, we certainly are doing a lot of things to make sure that those cancer cells, they go back and they fight uh, the bad element, uh, cancer. Uh, that is the one thing. And then the second uh, product, which we also have in our first phase, is uh, is on the allogenate. Uh, allogenate is off-the-shelf therapy where we are taking cells out of healthy donors and and injecting into the cancer patient. So it's a um, a different type of therapy, but uh, just wanted to highlight that these are the two products which we have in the clinic, and um, we hope to bring these transformative therapies to the cancer patients as soon as possible because you know uh, they are waiting. Okay, so you know, as the head of technology in your company, what what does the what form of technology does it is it that you support besides you know IT within the company are there other things that are you like working in conjunction with like the doctor or the the researchers the people who you know the chemists maybe perhaps and trying to develop some type of a technology platform or some type of even maybe a device because that could be technology or maybe not even device but maybe a way to implement it so tell me a little bit about some of the challenges that you have with that sure thanks for asking that question now typically you know when we say it uh it's very easy for somebody to kind of go into you know understanding ideas you know all right that's like fixing the laptop the emails and all the basic which comes uh, into mind. Uh, so as part of my role in uh, TCR Squared, 
uh, I'm actually fortunate to be the part, uh, or I would say the owner of uh, digital transformation. Okay. And that transformation kind of starts um, and ends with all of the departments within DCR squared. So I'll give you an example. Um, in terms of, um, you know, when you look at a drug development life cycle, you know, we start with early research discovery. Uh, that's where R&D uh, department comes into focus. So, so our uh, digital transformation or my role, you know, starts at the onset of early research and discovery where we are looking at translational science and all the tools and systems which these scientists, they are actually going to need to develop uh, something which will eventually go into the clinic. Okay. And then from there, and from there, you know, there are multiple departments which are uh, involved when the drug is actually moving from early R&D into the clinic. You know, uh, when that happens, there is a clinical operations uh, group. You know, there is process and analytical okay. group. There is regulatory. There is quality. Uh, there is manufacturing and uh, so on and so forth. So long story medium, I would say that. Uh, I like that in my, phrase. Uh, in my, okay, we'll come back to that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, because I I must say that the story is always, you know, not really that short, which people think it is. Um, so the um, so the to answer your question in a long way, uh, you know, my role kind of encompasses each and every department which is responsible to bring the drug uh, in the arm of the patient, uh, which includes, I would say. Hundreds of platforms. I'm not talking about systems. You know, platform you know, comprises of several systems, and there are hundreds of platforms in each and every vertical of you know drug discovery, the regulatory, the compliance, your um, you know your clinical uh, quality, manufacturing, and whatnot. So, so it's like whole nine yards. Gotcha, gotcha. So, at the end of the day. <coughs> The product obviously is a drug. Um, you don't necessarily directly affect that, but you do within the whole company, all the different departments, as any as any good IT and head of technology would do. You got it, because all of these uh, departments they need a digital system. If you think about uh, clinical operations, you know when. We go out, do our clinical trials. We need actually patients. You know, before even we talk about patient uh, enrollment, uh, there has to be a way for these clinical trials uh, to be made aware to the uh, to the to the hospitals, to the doctors, to the patients. So all of all of the things they require actually digital innovation or tool or a system in a very simplistic language. Uh, to, to do their job. So that is where we come in in technology and we are looking at a wide variety of vendors or systems which are out there. Yep. And that is, where, that is where the rubber is, you know, I would say the, 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 the crux is uh, because 
there are so many vendors and there are, there are so many systems which are out there which are giving you false promises they are they are very well equipped with the buzzwords like ai and ml and machine learning and yeah. you know all that but how do you how do you cut through the noise and then go get um the right product which is actually doing the things which you know it is saying it will do how many times you know we have seen that we go into implementing or selecting something just to find out that it is it is not even doing 10% of whatever we saw in the slides got you got you you know um <clears throat> i would think that so you are you actually in the healthcare industry or do you sell into the healthcare industry like you're a you're a drug manufacturer yes that's obviously healthcare but i'm curious if you have the same technology and IT problems that the rest of healthcare does which is in real bad shape i would say you know uh, uh, so so our sector is more or less uh, kind of uh, uh, it's not kind of considered healthcare because of the fact that we come before that you know we are life sciences we are actually preparing we are we are developing the drug and after that actually healthcare kind of comes in where now you really have a patient who who is going to benefit from uh, either the drug we are actually producing or there is going to be a medical device company who will be actually providing those kind of you know um, raw material to the healthcare so we are we are on the other side of healthcare okay uh then maybe here's how to wait. here's how we can judge it how would you say then within your industry um technology is holding up you do you feel real confident where it is like if healthcare is at like a 3 or 4 on a scale of 10 <laughs> where is life sciences where is tcr squared in their um in their road to digital transformation that's a great question so um I would say that uh, we we are we are pretty much uh, embarking upon the journey for digital transformation given the uh, given the drug development stage we are in uh, like I mentioned you know we are uh, we are a clinically stage company but typically what I have seen is that when you get to the stage of commercialization uh the drug development life cycle is like a, a typically like a 5 to 8 years these days you know it takes that much time minimum to bring a drug out in the market we are kind of you know on that kind of a scale we are about 30% into our drug development life cycle so what i am doing in my role is i'm trying to align the time it takes for the drug to get to the market so that by that time we are we are at least reaching a point where we can say that you know we are we are in a transformational mode because uh, in technology i kind of see there are three phases of um, uh, there are three three parts uh, to get to actually digital transformation the first one is where you are barely running you are keeping the lights on uh and then the second one is you are uh you're trying to scale up and you are growing and then the last but not the least is that's where you are delivering business value and you are 
at the onset of digital transformation. So, so to to kind of you know summarize uh, our digital transformation, uh, we we are we are about 30% into it. You know, if I have to put a percentage where we are and where we are going, we are somewhere between, uh, you know, run and grow. And we need to be, uh, we need to be at a digital transformation by 2024 plus so that uh, it can align with our drug development uh, commercialization. Okay. Then specifically on that, within the next, two years specifically what has to happen in your mind yes so a uh, number of things have to happen uh, from our uh, from our drug development life cycle perspective we continue to produce good data out of our clinical trial findings because okay. uh, we we want to make sure that our uh, clinical trials are giving us the expected results. Uh, with that, with that comes uh, uh, financing capabilities, and with financing capabilities, uh, all the investments in the right technology can be made. Okay. So, uh, my strategy, uh, not just with TCR squared, but with any small biotech, has been to kind of stage gate large investments based upon the clinical trial outcomes because you certainly don't want to be uh, under-investing or over-investing in technology or digital transformation because it can come and bite you. So, so in my role, uh, I'm responsible to maintain that delicate balance so that we are not uh, you know, doing more or less. We we in fact have to do a lot more with a lot less. And that is what the true state is for the smaller life science companies who do not make money yet, who yeah. are just in the process of commercialization and who are who are only utilizing funds from their money they have raised uh, from a private investor or public investor. So, so in my role, it's very critical to to demonstrate the right timing of uh, the investment. We all know that we have to make the investment, but the most important part is the when, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and that is where most of uh, my time is spent, and that is where I feel like there are a lot of CIOs uh, need to be educated about uh, how, do you, how do you maintain that balance? How do you maintain the what? The how do you maintain the balance? Okay, got you. I was, you know, TCR squared uh, looks like it was founded in 2015. So what, seven years ago? Uh, you're talking digital transformation. And the question that comes to my mind is, if you were founded in 2015, what kind of digital transformation has to happen? I mean, there's not a whole lot of history of, well, tech debt and bad decisions being made over the years of of technology. So transformation to me makes it sound, you know, like my idea of transformation is taking tech debt, all these old legacy applications, bringing them up to speed, um, starting to cruise to the cloud, go to the cloud, that kind of stuff. But with such a young company, 
you know, you would assume that maybe that's already happened, but help me walk me through a little bit about what digital transformation means to you in such a young company. Good question. So I would say that even though we are a seven-year-old company, uh, there are a lot of uh, things which could go wrong in that seven-year period if if uh, if the right people are not in the right role. Uh, one of the problem again, like I said, this is not this is not the first company with the similar kind of a setting I have uh, uh, worked for. And everywhere I go, I see the same thing. If the company is four-year-old or seven-year-old, they are still making a lot of investments, which are, I call it, uh, unscalable, unreliable, and untimely. You know, uh, if I have to break it down for you, uh, we have plenty of applications which are unscalable because they were only put in mind thinking that we're going to be uh, we're going to be still a 50-people company, uh, but guess what? We're already 200. We're looking at going to 300, 400. So, so many systems uh, which are put in mind uh, thinking from a, that strategy are actually already unscalable. Uh, I, I, call it, I call them unreliable too because, you know, just because they can't be scalable now, they are quickly becoming unreliable. So, the digital transformation strategy starts with the assessment of those bad decisions which have been made so that you can quickly uh, pivot into uh, talking about making them scalable and more reliable, which means you're going to take them out, put the new systems which are going to be looked upon as uh, next 10 years kind of investment from scalability. Uh, so those examples are everywhere. If I see in the GNA, and by GNA I mean a GNA is typically a group of you know your finance, your HR, your legal, your IT, all of those departments. And then on the other side you have R and D, you have you know clinical quality and all of those uh, functions. So digital transformation for us kind of starts with. Uh, the detailed assessment of what has already been put in. And then from there, we try to align uh, our drug development life cycle. For example, right now, uh, we are heavily focused on clinical trials because Mm -hmm. uh, our immediate focus is to make sure our clinical trials are successful. So part of digital transformation is now uh, paying more attention on, uh, you know, expediting those clinical trials. And for that, there are wide variety of systems which are going to be required. And that's where the, you know, I would say uh, those are the technologies which are competitive differentiators for companies yes. like us because, um you know, last time I checked in Cambridge, there were like 2,000 small biotechs. So why would TCR be more successful? You know, TCR would be more successful if we are embarking on the digital innovation and we are utilizing those AI and ML, uh, all the noise apart, right? We just have to cut through the noise and really, really look at the use case. You know, what do we mean by AI-related technology and go uh, implement those technologies 
into our drug development life cycle so that we can get an you know comparative advantage so those okay. are those are the things which goes on in evaluating uh where we are today and where we are going in the next actually 2 to 5 years and uh, that that is the that is the thing which we you know which we try to prioritize uh and we call it you know uh, a transformative stage in like 4 or 5 years okay so you've been with tcr squared for about a year is that correct yep and i noticed that you're in boston your company is in cambridge um is your company on site oh yes correct Person? so um uh we have three locations in cambridge um okay. and all of those three locations uh, uh you know there are there, there are there are labs and there are scientists and uh, you know we have pretty much a hybrid culture where if you are in a lab you're definitely expected to be there in the lab and then if you are in it there is a, there is a flexibility depending upon if you can still deliver okay got you and what is that flexibility a couple of days a week you can work out of the home or something like that yeah pretty much okay okay interesting thank you for sharing that um i'm just kind of gauging what's happening um in the industry do most of your employees though they must work out of boston area or out of cambridge in the uh, not really to be honest uh, uh, covid has actually given a different uh, perspective uh, to people and in the last uh, what actually we are uh, i must start saying 3 years now because it's more than 2 years um you know we have seen that uh, at least on the technology side and what my function does um you know we have actually we have been able to deliver more uh because of uh, just uh, the zoom world we are in and the amount of time we are able to save on the commute um you know honestly uh covid has taught us uh, a great lesson that there are few things which are are uh, definitely going to add value uh if you are doing remotely uh, but i don't want to underscore that there is still a lot of benefit for in person interactions and uh, making relationships and that's where zoom zoom has made things very how should i say uh you know it has to be very organized and very planned you know if even you're trying to get hold of somebody uh so there is no opportunity for the hallway discussions or a coffee uh kind of a, or even you know uh, those those um uh those those lunches and dinners where you actually make those you where you actually forge the relationships so that is a part which is a downside but again uh, we we have to create that balance and with the with couple of days on site and all of those kind of things i can we can take best of both worlds Okay, that sounds good. I was looking um through your bio uh, or whatever your kind of your um work history and um all I see right now is leadership roles. <laughs> uh where was where were you when you were learning technology? What where were you or what did you do when you were getting your hands dirty? Good question. So uh, I started in the high tech sector. where um uh on the technology side of the house 
uh, you know, uh, right after actually uh, doing my master's in computer science, it was an obvious choice for me to work for a bigger um, uh, multi-billion dollar companies like Oracle and Motorola, uh, where I went in and that's where I learned uh, the technology side of the house. Yeah. And um, uh, I'm still pretty hands-on when it comes to, you know, certain things like, uh, you know, the ERPs of the world because uh, the enterprise resource planning, the analytics and data, those are the things um, uh, and the and the SaaS and cloud, which we hear today. I have been fortunate to be part of uh, the early revolution of uh, cloud uh, by by engaging directly with the companies I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. So, so that's what uh, my first decade of uh, career actually looks like. And uh, from there, you know, I kind of uh, went into the life sciences sector because of my passion about, uh, you know, treating patients with these kind of uh, diseases. So, so in the last uh, decade or so, I have been actually uh, heading the uh, the IT or digital transformation for these life science companies. Okay, gotcha. So, if all goes well for you personally in the next ten years, what 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 needs to happen? You mean uh, for my career? Yeah. Where are you um, heading? Looks uh, like you're heading towards like a CTO or a CIO role. Yeah, so I would say that I really want to I really want to see the paradigm shift in uh, you know making IT look like more than just IT and I call it like a a, 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 a digital innovator or the data uh, uh, data I would say evangelist. So, so definitely, that's where I'm heading. Where I'm actually, um, I'm I'm excited to actually look for uh, the next uh, five or ten years, where I can actually just continue to shape my skills and learn more on these cutting edge technologies, which can then differentiate either smaller or bigger biotechs or high tech companies to deliver more value to patients or customers. So okay. that's where, you know, I'm just kind of heading in a direction where uh, I keep on actually learning, I keep on actually adding value, and I keep on demonstrating that value to the C-suite or the board. Uh, you know, I don't know about the titles and all, but yeah, uh, right. that it's... Uh, uh, it, it's it's the place where I want to be, where I want to be in a place where I'm constantly learning and educating and adding value. And the last but not the least is that I, I owe it to the community uh, to provide mentorship uh, to people who were in my sh- you know shoes like ten years from now or whatever. So so that's the most important thing or a passion which I have to keep on contributing to the society. Uh, and the people so that they can they can also grow their career. All right. So Praveen, what looking on the horizon, whenever that might be, what innovation in technology, what 
concept and technology, what uh, methodology, whatever you want to choose, can't get here fast enough for you. Can't, 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 can't be um, offered on the marketplace yet. But you know, you're looking forward to that. What needs to, you know, what are you really looking forward to? So um, I would say that the AI and ML, again, artificial intelligence and machine learning, I'm sick and tired of actually hearing those two words. Uh, I still have to uh, see the actual use cases in the life science industry, which will actually add value and clear all the confusion and clutter which people have in their mind. Um, that is one thing I would I would say. And the other thing is uh, on the blockchain side of the house, that is equally confusing and uh, not proven, at least in the life sciences side, um, which I really want to see. Uh, I believe in the tremendous value of the technology. But like I said, uh, there isn't much uh, either I see or I see coming out of it, which I would love to, um, you know, uh, see more. How would you leverage AI? Yeah, that's what I mean, right? So there are a lot of lot of companies who are who are trying to actually leverage artificial intelligence. Uh, if I have to give you an example in terms of our side of business, which is drug development, um, this really comes into picture when we are trying to actually create awareness of all the trials among HCP, which are the healthcare professionals or the patients. You know, what, what we are seeing more and more is uh, there are a lot of patients who never get the right information. And there are models which are out there uh, which, can, which can increase the awareness of these trials. Uh, and those uh, can come through the social chatter, which uh, the, the, the data, the information is out there on the social media, but it never reaches the right uh, person. Uh, in this example, the right person will be the sponsor like us or the CRO who is actually trying to do the clinical trials. So so the part where AI uh, has the capability kind of look into the unstructured data uh, and then kind of make head and tail out of it and then give it out to the right person is the part which you know, uh, I'm really exploring because what that can do is it can expedite the trials. With the expedition of trials, we get drugs in the market sooner and everybody, uh, or I would say the people who are living with this devastating diseases, uh, they, they, they don't have to do anymore. Oh, interesting. Switching gears here a little bit, let's talk about leadership. What's... Uh, one leadership thing that you rely on? I rely on. So, um, I mean, at this point of my career, I, I, rely on, um, I rely on empathy because I feel like that empathy 
is really important mm. and people people will forget what you did for them but they will never forget how you did it for them so that is that is something which i pay very close attention to how do you treat people and the how it is a three letter word but it is a very powerful word so i always uh, every day kind of practice the how and uh, you know that is the that is the thing which i lead with empathy so if you were uh, mentoring a young uh, geek coming out of programming but moving up the chain wants to learn some leadership things would you have that person start practicing empathy or there's some other things that you might have this person do for to become a better leader i would say start with empathy uh and also leave room for uh you know mistakes because you know when you are trying to go up the chain and trying to actually uh, be the leader you want to be it's very easy to kind of get into a discipline of assuming things that you know why the hell this person is not doing things this way yeah. uh because there is no way you know everybody has a different way and what i will actually educate uh young me uh you know if i have to go back 10 15 years i would say uh cut a little slack uh be a little patient and uh try to learn try to learn the way you are being exposed to um uh, you know from your own uh people who you are trying to manage because you never know you might even learn a thing or two from their way uh and on the same side uh the the other important part of leadership is the stakeholder alignment and uh, the stakeholder alignment only comes when you are trying when you are able to actually make the relationships and uh, empathy goes a long way in also making those relationships uh with the stakeholders and uh, that is where uh that is where a lot of time should be spent and then uh you know again you know there is a whole laundry list of things in my head but i would stick to actually these two for now and i will say that I try to practice that uh there are so many things you can read about it um but if you keep these things in mind then there is a better chance that you will be successful right on perfect um in 5 or 10 years there's going to be tech or i don't know what the time frame is but let's let's think about a technology that we're all currently using some sort of it it could be keyboards it could be um whatever whatever you do using technology what do you think that we use commonly now that we're not going to be using in the future that's a good question i wish uh, i would say the cars you know oh good okay <laughs> i would say the uh the gas guzzling cars you know i just uh, don't see them being used 10 years from now and due to several reasons okay well that makes sense anything else can you think of anything else that is going to be going away 
Um, I'd like to see keyboards and mouse gone away. We've had them entirely too doggone long, and there there's a big gap. There's a big time gap between my thought process down back down to the keyboard onto the screen and back up into my head. Too much time. Yeah, definitely. I think that is that is that is also there. But uh, you know, the only challenge is then the um, the voice, uh, the voice recognition, and all that is definitely already there. But sometimes, you know, there is a limitation where uh, people don't want to actually talk, or they are in a space where they can't really talk that crisply. You know, and uh, how many times you have seen people use utilizing text messages just for the same reason because they can't be on the phone because maybe they have a, a kid crying in the background or they are in a setting where they are in a cafe or whatever. So there are certain things which comes to mind, you know, when I think about why, you know, the voice recognition hasn't actually taken off. Uh, but uh, well, the, the voice other- recognition is already, already going to be surpassed. I mean, with Neuralink, you know, these links... I mean, that's what I'd like to see happen more and more is a is the neural link success within um, tapping into our minds. Yeah, I would say you know again now we are on this topic, so I will definitely add one thing which is in my uh, my list of uh, items, which is uh, you know I don't know about you, but I have like you know I have an Apple Watch on my left and I have a Fitbit on my right wrist. Um, I have uh, I have Siri on my phone and Alexa everywhere. If I say the word, they all will wake up. <laughs> I, I feel like that, uh, you know, the this whole thing you call it Alexa or Siri, it has to be it has to be kind of embedded in our freaking body because I want to see uh, like how many times I would feel like that. Um, you know, I have an Apple Watch on my wrist, but I can't talk to Alexa on it because it's Apple, it's not Amazon. Uh, my whole house is all like uh, equipped with AI, but it is all Alexa. But if I need to control, I really need to be close to that device to wake it up. But but what I'm looking forward for is something like a chip which can be put in our body so that, you know what, you don't have to charge it. You don't have to figure out if it is on you you can just kind of invoke it from wherever and your device, which is your phone in your hand, can actually talk to it, right? So so bridge the gap between being proximity close to the device and trying to actually figure out how do you wake it up? You know, that is the basic thing, which is not there yet. Yeah. And now again, like Amazon come up with the, the ring, which you can put on a finger, which looks freaking ugly and big. Uh, and it still has to be charged and it just it is just clunky. So I would simply replace something like this with uh, a little bit of a, a minor surgery uh, and just just uh, put it in put it in the place. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Now you mentioned you got AI at home. What are you talking about? Are you talking about Alexa? Or do you have something a little bit more sophisticated you want to share with me? Yeah, I would say I have a whole slew of things. You know, I mean, starting with the garage doors, you know, uh, and the the car, you know. You have this already? Yes, exactly. So, you know, the whole house is kind of digitally uh, automated in a way that uh, I can control, you know, my car, which happens to be electric car. So that's easy to actually control through the app. Uh, I can summon it. I can open up the garages, you know, all of the lights in the house. I can control through my voice or phone and uh, certainly anything which is hooked to the uh 
you know, to the electrical ports like the lamps and all those are small things, the TVs, all of these yeah. things are Alexa powered. Uh, and uh, to, to an extent where, you know, one time my wife uh, calls me up when I was up uh, at, a, at a dinner with my friends and she's asking me how the fuck I should turn off the light because I, you know, mind my friends, she, she couldn't actually figure out uh, to turn the light off. So, so I'm pretty much kind of uh, AI person, but sometimes when you overdo it, you know, there are challenges. <laughs> well, I'm kind of confused on where the AI is in that. Um, I mean, you've got, well, you sound like, a, are you a Linux guy? Nope. You're not. Okay. I was curious. I was like, cause I knew a guy I worked next to, a, I mean, I lived next to a guy who was a Linux guy. He could program anything. And this was even like, gosh, almost 20 years ago. Probably, yeah, it was 20 years ago. And he was using electricity, electricity outlets to send signals all around his house. And he was programming all the different things, just like it sounds like you were doing, you're doing. But yeah. I'm curious where the AI is. Where do you, where do you have this artificial intelligence? Like, like I was hoping you would say, well, yeah, I got this program that watches my garage door. If it if it knows I'm not around, it'll close it for me. <laughs> you know what you mean. So those things are by default there where if uh, if my garage is left open, it actually texts me saying that your garage has been open for more than usual amount of time. Uh, now the next stage I'm going to get to is where it automatically takes action and it closes it because how many times people have left their garages open? Uh, just to kind of invite anything accidental happening, right? So, yeah, yeah so those are the things where, you know, uh, sky is the limit and I want to see technology not just kind of giving you information. It is actually going to make, uh, it's actually going to take decision for you and act on it. Uh, but it's a, it's, a, it's a slippery slope and I understand it has to be managed and, the jury is out in terms of, you know, when the robots are going to take over. But uh, I believe in that fine, you know, delicate balance. And that is where I think that is where we are heading next. You know, I know yeah. Elon, Musk, uh, Elon Musk is trying his best to take us to Mars. But I just want to live on Earth and try to utilize what we have here. <laughs> yeah. Well, we might have to move to Mars, huh? <laughs> when all the AI and all the artificial intelligence and the machines take over and because our climate can't support us anymore, either we dig down and go underground or we go to Mars. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I, agree uh, with you, though. I don't want to leave the earth. Yes. I'll rather stay here in Boston. There you go. There you go. So, um, what else? What 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 haven't we talked about yet today, Praveen? What did I mean, you think I was going to ask you that I didn't ask you yet? That's a good question. Honestly, I think you outdid uh, my expectation. You know, I was oh, expecting. Really? <laughs> I was expecting uh, uh, um, you. You're giving me more than what I was expecting for okay. uh, Thursday afternoon. <laughs> That's fantastic. It is afternoon for you. We're just heading into noon. Well, I'm in Denver. Um, so, well, I'm just trying to think here. I can look through the, the comments here, or not the comments, but the um, 
Yeah, you went to New Mexico State University. Now you're in Boston. What happened there? <laughs> there is a story there. You know, honestly, uh, this was uh, back in actually uh, 99, 2000, coming out of dot-com, boom, you know, bubble, I would say. Um, there wasn't uh, much of a job out there. And, um, you know, fortunately, the, the project I did in my master's attracted, you know, some attention here in Boston. And I get this call from, uh, you know, somebody at that time who was trying to hire. And, um, you know, after a couple of interviews, I was given this offer and he said, you know what, can you start um, in uh, Westford, uh, Massachusetts um, next week? And I said, certainly. Um, I have my car. I'll be there. <laughs> and time, I had no idea. You know, it would take me just seven days to drive. Oh. Uh, that's how ignorant I was, you know. Uh, and that's how I landed. Certainly, I didn't drive. I flew uh, uh, into Boston. And then from there, I have, you know, I have moved to, you know, West Coast, Chicago and whatnot. And uh, back in 2004, actually, uh, me and my wife, we we decided to settle in Boston. So since 2004, this is home. Um, and uh, now I feel like that I can't even go anywhere because I'm spoiled, you know, with all the good schools and all the hospitals and all the four seasons, you know, minus the snow, which, you know, thanks to global warming, we don't get that anymore. Not that much uh, anymore. Mm. And, you know, we just love it here. Yeah. Well, for all the people that are out there on the West or East Coast, just, you know, you know, I'm from Denver. We still get 300 days of snow a year. So all you, you can all just believe what you want about Denver. So yeah, you don't want to come here. I'm just, <laughs> just kidding. We have 300 days of sun here. Uh, hey, listen, um, I saw that you have a uh, undergraduate in mechanical engineering. Is that yes. right? Yes. Do you, do you, I'm assuming you still kind of use your education as an engineer in daily things. Tell me about that. I have a degree in civil, civil engineering. Yeah. So uh, the way I use, uh, in fact, in the, in my professional life also, uh, today, for example, TCR squared, we do manufacture drugs. So the word manufacture is uh, directly linked to actually manufacturing. Mm. And that uh, the mechanical engineering has really helped me understand the processes, how mm. the machinery works. Now our machines are different. It's not really like the lathe machine and all that, which back then we did our, um, you know, uh, schooling on. But uh, those are the things which, uh, you know, keeps uh, my skills kind of utilized from that perspective. And then, you know, certainly on a, you know, on a, on a, on a personal note, you know, I'm a, I have been actually riding Harley Davidson's uh, since actually 2008. So I do all of the work myself, you know, uh, I still have to, you know, I don't have uh, uh, the, the internal combustion cars. So Unfortunately, I can't practice oil change and all those kind of things on my electric cars, but the, the motorcycles actually keep my juices flowing. <laughs> right, right, right. 
So let's wrap up with one last thing here. I'm going to ask you um, in your professional life or even personal, if you want to go there, you might be looking for certain type of talent. You might be looking for, there's something that you need out there that you would like to throw out into the audience. Is there anything that you're looking for that you would like to get help with from somebody out there, out there in the world, out there listening to the podcast? Oh, absolutely. I think we need a lot of, uh, we need a lot of help in terms of, you know, fast tracking our clinical trials, uh, making sure that our drugs are reaching uh, the right patients. So there are, there is a huge need for somebody who comes with the knowledge of systems, the digitalization of uh, technology, which can bridge the gap and bring those drugs faster. Uh, and the second thing is on the on the cybersecurity side, because uh, our sector is heavily targeted uh, right after it got you know it gets um, attention from COVID and all. There's a lot of data. Uh, the data becomes uh, you know uh, cyber uh, a major issue. Uh, so apart from actually clinical trials, the cybersecurity is the huge focus, and uh, those are the two. Uh, skills and resources who are always in demand. All right. Well, so there you have it, audience. Um, Praveen needs some help in those areas. So if you know anything or know anybody, reach out. Uh, the name of the company is TCR Squared, Praveen Maholtra. Uh, you can check him and find him on LinkedIn. And with that, Praveen, thank you very much for spending some time with us, sharing your insights and and answering some questions. Uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, same here, Scott. Uh, it was really nice talking to you and uh, have a great rest of your week.